do good, make people laugh, and add a little bit more positivity into the world. Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to point out one of my sponsors, Mike Me Audio, who actually created that incredible intro that you just heard. Now, Mike Me is actually responsible for creating Brittany Crystals on her Beyond Influential podcast. And what I love about it is it simply gives your podcast that high-end, high-production feel that really grabs your listeners' attention. Now, the good news is if you want an intro for yourself, you can actually go to micme.com, that's M-I-C-M-E.com, and use the promo code MIC at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your first intro. And they make the process really easy. All you got to do is set in your script, uh, choose your music, choose your uh, voiceover actor, and they'll create it for you within 72 hours. Again, check out micme.com and use promo code MIC, M-I-Q-K, and you know the Q comes before the K and you'll get 10% off at checkout. But before I speak too much, let's get on to the show. What's up, Socialite, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am super pumped on this episode. Our guest today is a Costa Mesa creative who has a goal to capture fantastic realities with a clean, graphic, and surreal style. He believes that the essence of film and photography is both creativity and vulnerability. He shares his processes through tutorial videos and a vlog where he's collaborated with the likes of YouTube sensation Jessica Kobesi. And he's overcome incredible challenges in his life, including escaping his cartel-infiltrated town of Juarez, Mexico, to working with colorblindness and depression. But today, he can be found capturing moments in high fashion and lifestyle while telling compelling stories for brands between Los Angeles and Orange County. But before I speak too much, please join me in welcoming the very talented Antonio Espino. I just, I gotta say, it astounds me how I just met you like five minutes ago and you have all this like background research on me. And I'm like, how, what? <laughs> <clears throat> so I, there's a friend that I gotta like, text right after this and let them know that I'm not crazy because I have been feeling like somebody's been following me around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, first of all, it was really difficult to find any information of, about you on the internet, which I feel like might be on purpose. I, I, I have this whole thing where like, it's like my work and then when it's not, I try to like crawl back into my little cave and mm-hmm. disappear, which I know is not a good thing, but I think that's something deeper than I could even imagine. I don't even know what that So that's be. interesting that you say that because I was watching your YouTube videos uh, or not really the tutorial ones, but your vlogs specifically. And they're behind the scenes vlogs of you doing lifestyle photography, this type of thing. Um, but you don't really talk very much during it. Uh, I never know what to say. I don't know if it's going to be interesting enough for people. I don't find that my life is that interesting to where like I can talk about it. So even on the videos where I'm trying to do a behind the scenes, I'm just like... This is what I do. Can I tell you just real quickly? Uh, you spend most of your time taking photographs of very pretty people. I think a lot of people would find that really interesting. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what there is to say. I don't, I don't know. Before I make you feel any more awkward, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. This is great for me because we've worked on a couple projects now together. Yeah. Um, but I don't know very much about you. Where did you grow up? What were you like in high school? Uh, so I grew up in, in Mexico, but it was a border town. So at a young age, my parents, I think my mom walked in on me watching Barney. 
uh, you know, when I was little. And uh, she heard me repeating just some of the stuff that, Bar- you know, like singing along to the songs and all that stuff. And she was like, this kid just like learned English. So my parents decided that I was going to get an education in the U.S. So after the whole like, you know, student visa and all that thing, we since first grade, I've been in taking classes in the U.S. and Texas. You grew up in Mexico, then you came and you started studying in in Texas. Is right, that correct? but we would we would uh, we would cross the border every single day, uh-huh. and so which you get used to it when we what, were doing it all our life. Can we talk about that experience? Sure, why not? Yeah, what was I mean? What was that like for you? I mean, was it when you say cross the border every single day going to school here? Was that something that was frowned upon? Was that I don't know anything Honestly, about that at that world. time. At the time, because I didn't know any different, it was just so normal to me. Mm-hmm. Even to the students that were already lived in, in Texas and they went to school with me, like my classmates, it was just so normal for all of us because it was since the first grade. My first grade class, like I know them to this day. We went to the similar high schools and then we went to similar universities and then Facebook, everything. Like we just, we were in each other's lives even if we aren't. So that's all I knew is, is, is crossing the border. It really didn't dawn on me what a pain it was until 9-11. Mm. Because then our border time, like our wait line, was always like one and a half to two hours, which you just get used to. But after 9-11, it was four to six hours daily. So were your parents, are your parents immigrants? Or, I mean, that's a silly question. I mean, are they U.S. citizens? Like how? We're all U.S. citizens now. But that didn't happen until way later. My mom was born in Texas, and my father was uh, born in Mexico. Oh, that's really cool. When did you start picking up your camera? My like history of in photography is really embarrassing because I just wanted to be the cool kid. And the thing is... I think you're the cool kid. The thing is, I always found nerdy things to be cool. Okay. And I've never been like shy about it, and I've never been like well, if that's not the status quo or like being into Star Wars isn't cool, you know, at the, at the time. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you like how I was literally like, yeah. you know whose podcast <laughs> you're on? With a giant Darth Vader poster behind you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, the nerd. The, I like literally twitched just now when you said that. <laughs> geek chic was not a thing until. Geek chic, I like that. It was not a thing at the time. It was like, if you're into that kind of stuff, you're nerd and nerds go over there. But I was never, that wasn't really me. So during the times of like AOL and MSN Messenger, you know how you could have your little like icon thing, your personal image? I wanted to be the cool kid who had the coolest thumbnail image. So I found a way to download Photoshop. Good at that. (laughs) How old were you at this point? Uh, Whenever AOL, I can't remember. Whenever AOL was. How old are you now? Uh, 31. So you were like 11. No, that can't be right. Yeah, dude. I w- like in sixth grade uh, for me. I was yeah, maybe yeah. yeah you're right. I was about sixth grade, like eleven, twelve, I think. Right. That's pretty crazy when you think about it like that. It was like eighteen years ago. Yeah, you were geez. on AOL. So what was your icon? The very first one. Oh, you know what? How we can track this back? Whenever the first Fantastic Four movie came out. Okay. So whenever that was. All right. Um, so you were a late AOL bloomer, I think. Well, that's when I decided that I was going to be the kid with the coolest photo. <laughs> um. So I would always take photos any way I could. That's my introduction to to like Photoshop because I found a way to Photoshop my face onto that guy where he's like looking at his hand that's on fire. <laughs> and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then that just became a thing that I kept doing. What was your first AOL screen name? Oof. Sonic Ace 30. 
That's not bad. Mine was Dr. Cool 232. I don't, so I don't really feel... I feel like Dr. Cool is pretty bad. Mine may or may not be my password to some things. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> still. Dude, I, I think I'm still using the same password. I think I'm still using the same password for some of my things that I was using back in middle school. For sure in high school. Which is kind of crazy to think about that and how people could potentially track that. But it's super email, yeah. my password. Changing I'm not, everything when I get home. It's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, you're changing everything when you get home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when you were in middle school, were you taking, or in middle school, high school, were you taking photography classes? Did no. you already know that this was something you wanted to no, do? No, I always wanted to be involved in um, some kind of like acting or some kind of like production type thing. Going back to like why there's not so much personal information about me, I think it's because I like to perform in some way. Like I like to entertain people in in a certain way, but then when it's over, I go hide in my shell. Hmm. So I always knew that I wanted to do something. I I did like a handful of plays, and even when I moved out here, I wanted to be involved in some kind of like movie, film, mm -hmm. and then YouTube came up, and then I wanted to do that. And so that's why I bought a camera. Yeah. As a consequence, I was always taking photographs. And I never thought that you could get a, like a like a real job doing photography. So photography was always something very personal to me. Mm. Do you remember your first job? I want to say it was headshots for a guy who wanted to be Prince Charming on Disney in Disneyland. <laughs> that sounds like it would have been fun. That was your like that was your first job. Have you done anything else for money outside of photography? Um, oh, no, no, like no. Consistently. I thought you meant my first photo job. Oh, no, 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 no. Your, your actual... No. Uh, so my dad's an entrepreneur. My dad's been like having businesses, starting up businesses like his since... I think it's when he was young, he used to work at the, like the Mexican factories like where like TVs and stuff were made. Mm. And he went to school, so they quickly promoted him to manager. And then when he was reaching the height of that, like the hierarchy... He realized there's no way I can I'll ever be rich this way. I'll, I'm always like working for and so this is in Mexico. So then he decided he quit. He gave up a big promotion and then like he started his own businesses. And yeah, you, my dad's actually a huge inspiration to me. That's awesome. Do you know? Do you remember what kind of businesses he started in the beginning? Yeah, it, actually, it's funny you say that. And I'm gonna plug my my father real quick because he just got Entrepreneur of the Year in Texas. And um, my dad... Wait, for the whole state of Texas? Oh, the whole state of Texas. That is awesome. Yeah, my dad's a badass. <laughs> yeah, and he's such an inspiration to me. And I'm just... He never gave up. We So after 9-11, another big thing happened in Mexico, which was like the, the cartel wars began. Not to give you like a whole dramatic rundown, but... I would love the dramatic rundown. Okay, well, the cartel from further south than Mexico wanted to take over the cartel of the city that I'm from. Mm-hmm. Because they kept, they didn't want to pay that tax to cross their stuff over. They essentially began murdering each other's like subordinates. The thing is that to to try to one up each other, they started murdering the people that are affiliated that are supposed to be protected. So the people in government. And I don't want to get too political over here, but it started getting out of hand, and business opportunities started coming up for these criminals. Which was, um, they would call up businesses and they'd be like, "Hey, so." You know, it's getting pretty dangerous out here. We'd like to offer you our protection in exchange for money, of course. It sounds like the mob. And so then they would be like, you know, 
you've seen people, they're burning businesses, they're shooting people. It'd be a shame for your business to catch on fire. Hint, hint. Yeah. And if you didn't pay, you would come to your, you know, like you would drive home and then your house would be on fire and so your family was inside and something terrible. That doesn't sound as much like protection as much as it sounds like a threat. Definitely. Well, okay. that's that's what it was. And so it, we were fine for a while. And, and my dad had been working on a government deal for, he used to sell uh, water purifiers and water filters. And we'd been he'd been working on this government deal for a really long time because as you know, uh, one of the little things is like if you go to certain parts of Mexico, don't drink the water because you never know. So my dad was trying to bring clean water to everybody by making it included in your water bill. You would get like these water purifiers for your home. Mm. So then you could drink out of the faucet. You could do all these things and and save people money and do all these things. So he once he got the deal, he started getting the phone calls. My mom was really for like, we need to move. So that's when we packed up and we moved to Texas. But we took a huge, huge losses as a as a business. We had to. We got in so much debt. We all had to get jobs, obviously, while still going to school. And yeah, and so and my dad was. I feel like at that age, you he was kind of close to retiring. You know what yeah. I mean? Like so, imagine you're about to get you're about to retire, and now you have to start over. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that happened was in El Paso. It's a it's known as the Sun City. Okay. Uh, it's a desert, so when we were trying to have people over, friends over, and we didn't really have space, and we were in an undeveloped part of the city, so there's no parks, there's nothing, and when having family over, it's always inside, and during the summer, it's hot, and so you want to be like in a cool, shaded spot, and that's when he thought, I haven't seen any like people selling shades or awnings or canopies and stuff like that, you know, just these Walmart, Home sure. Depot ones. El Paso is also known for its like high wind season. So those always break or fly away to the neighbor's house or whatever. So he started a canopy business. And now he's like the guy to, if like there's a big military base there, so they buy from him, like everybody and everybody, car dealerships, anything and everything. He's the man. What? <laughs> that is awesome. How old is your dad now? He's older. Can't remember. Like, 90 older? No, no. Oh. Like 70s? No, oh, that's 60s. not bad. <laughs> High 60s. That's pretty cool. So he, it sounds like he was a, like not just, you know, intuitive, but a pretty good salesman. Cause oh, he wasn't yeah. like, he didn't like By develop far. a special type of awning. He like nope. bought them, sold them. Yep. So then that's what he, that's what it was with the filters. That's what it was with any, any business he started. He, there was even a time like when, so getting back to the point with the original question, which was like, how did I get started in my first job? And my first job was packaging those water purifiers for the home, stapling them, and then that's really cool with a flyer. So my dad always put us to work in some way or another. Is like hand out flyers or go talk to people. So he, I was always, I think I was always a shy kid, mm -hmm. but that definitely got rid of it. Yeah. Was your was your dad paying you at the time? He put a roof over our heads. <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm just always interested in that dynamic because I think when I was a kid, my dad tried to like hire me to do things. No, he didn't. What he would do is he would buy me things and I would think that I was getting a gift, but it came with like a, oh, now you got to do this. I'm like, fuck. No, ours was, there's, you know, like weekends. Yeah. They belonged to him. It was go do this, go do that. There was just chores that we had. To, there was no... 
But this is, but it sounds like it was like, this is what you do for the family. Yep. That's awesome, man. I love, I kind of. Yeah, so we all always helped in some way or another. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what does your mom do? So my mom was always the supportive. My mom was a teacher mm. at the beginning. And then she used to sell also like like mattress toppers and mm. that kind of thing, like anything and everything. And then when, when my dad needed like an accountant, she stepped up and then she became, she's basically still the accountant, just anything that needed to be done. And then while also being a mom full time. Yeah. Because it, it was from the, it was the time where like, you don't see, I don't see my dad in the mornings. It was just like. He's up in Adam usually before we go to school or whatever. And he wouldn't come home till late. And so my mom was always doing everything. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I have an older brother and a younger sister. Yeah. What are they doing? My brother is basically working with my father right now. And he has been. So he's pretty much going to be the guy who he'll take over whenever my dad decides to let it go. And my sister is an interior designer in she now Dallas. Oh, that's really cool. So when did you decide to move to California? Um, I think I always knew since like, I always knew that I wanted to go where like movies are made. Yeah. And be involved in some kind of... So like how'd you end up in Costa Mesa? <laughs> that, that's actually <laughs> because one of my friends from high school, the second I like said it out loud, I was like, I have no money and I want to find a way to move. And my my parents are old fashioned. So it was one of those like, if you stay, you get it. You have a job, and um, you can save up eventually, and you, you know you can you can move or whatever. But if you leave, you're on your own. You you have to figure it out. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, there's a way. There we can figure this out. As soon as I was saying, like I said this out loud, a, a friend that I hadn't seen since high school, he said like, hey, so my sister has a place in in Orange County. Mm. And they're looking for two roommates. And I was thinking of moving out there. I was like, let's do it. Packing my bags. Let's yeah. go. Did you come out with anybody or by yourself? Just by myself. Like with my friend, that's the only person I knew. Have you been living there ever since? No, since then I've moved. I got a job at a hotel. Mm-hmm. So your first couple jobs were headshots for... From one of the guys from the hotel. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it a hotel at Disneyland? No, no, it was uh, just some random dude. Is like, you know no, what? I a, want to be Prince Charming. It was a hotel in in Laguna, and I, I, he was always like saying how people say he looks like that or whatever. And he wanted to work for <laughs> at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, he did. Did he actually look like Prince? He kind of did. Okay. No, you know, no. Maybe I'm getting the my pr- mom the says princess. I look like Prince Charming too. I, could, I don't think it's I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just one of the. No, you know what? Who it was? The the one from the Princess and the Frog. That guy. Okay. That's cool. Looked like that Prince Charming. <laughs> so how long were you working at that? What other jobs did you have before you decided to make the jump into just being full-time as a photographer? Okay. So I've had, I've worked with my dad. That doesn't like count too much, but it's not something I put on my resume. Then I worked. Yeah. Then I guess the first official job was as security for those uh, events at the university. You were doing security? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know you're surprised because I'm such a big guy. and <laughs> Yeah, we, my friend and I worked security there for a while. But it was like, um, it's those event people that like, they're in yellow jackets yeah, yeah, and they yeah. stand there. So then we quickly got promoted to supervisors. So now people were, I was in charge of people, which was frightening. You said at the university? Yeah, in Texas. Oh, okay. Did you go to college out in Texas? Yep. 
Oh, cool. University of Texas, El Paso. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's their slogan, actually. No. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) Yeah, so we did that, and then we needed real money later because that only paid, like, at events, sporting events or whatever. So then we got jobs at a law firm as a case preparer and, like, runner for the place. And at the time, I thought... My parents had, like, really instilled in me, like, you need to go to school and you need to get, like, a job. And the options were, like, doctor, lawyer, or, you know, astronaut. (laughs) Or awning salesman. (laughs) No, at the time, that didn't happen yet. Yeah, I was like, well, neither, neither, or neither is what I would like to do. Not that I couldn't. Not to say that these jobs are easy. These are, like, difficult jobs. It was just more of, like, I was never fulfilled. I was always, I wanted to do something artistic. Mm. And that was unreasonable and that didn't make sense in their minds. My dad used to tell me that too. Look at us now. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> I showed you, dad. <laughs> but your dad's your inspiration, which is great. He is. He, it, it's always been like, um, it was, it's been hard because that's the person who I've argued with the most. Mm. And I know like at the time, it was, the, at the time it was hard for me because I, I didn't see it from his perspective and he definitely did not see it from mine. Time has shown us both that we were, that I was wrong and he was wrong. And So when you wanted to make the jump as a full-time photographer, uh, what was her, what was his thoughts about that? The whole thing, it's always, it's always been, and I think to this day, it's always been like, make sure you have a degree of some sort on mm-hmm. something just in case. Yeah. Because it's like, He's taught us just through, by example, to be entrepreneurially inclined. Mm. So I still see things in, in the way that he, he's taught us. And just like my brother, just like my sister, like we, we don't just see going to a job. We see how can we start something? How can we do something? So he's always said like, you know, get a business degree or, or get your realtor license and like start selling, like start selling, start that salesman mentality. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> you've been freelancing for how long? Is that Jeez, forever? Forever, forever. Feels so like for, forever. It feels like forever. Since yeah, probably since 2012. Since that first, since that first um, headshot gig, which was like 20 bucks. Uh-huh. Since then, I was like, oh, people will give me money for this stuff. So then, like, who needs Christmas party photos? Who needs like whatever? And then like. While still working at the hotel. Yeah. So it wasn't until like probably three years in at the hotel that I was like, YOLO. (laughs) Jumped right in. And that was two years ago or one year ago? That was two years ago, I want to say. That's awesome. Um, Maybe three, actually. This is might be, this is the third year, I guess so. Yeah. That's really cool. So what were some of the steps that you took before you made the jump? Like practically, like let's. Let's say you're talking to somebody who wants to become an aspiring photographer. What did you do? You know what? I don't know if I'm like the the best example because I've done everything that you shouldn't have done. Isn't that how it works? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because it, the thing is like, so, so photography for me has always been like, if I didn't love it, I for sure would stay the hell away from it. And I know that sounds like obvious now, but one of my first jobs was as an assistant to the videographer. Like, that's my first foot in the door to any kind of... So, assistant to the videographer, 
Not assistant videographer. Correct. <laughs> assistant to the videographer. That's not a position. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also, you know, hashtag the office because <laughs> if you don't watch it, still. They're still lost right now. <laughs> I wanted to get obviously photo jobs. And so this was when in, in the, for a wedding, help the videographer and the photographer was separate. And so I was like, oh, well, cool. Like, I'll at least get to watch somebody work and see how that's like. By this time, I'd already been doing like photo shoots. During our little break, we're chatting and I'm talking to the photographer and I'm like, yeah, wow, that's, that's amazing. Like, I, I want to learn more. I, I, how can I be involved? Whatever. He's like, oh, well, send me, send me your Instagram, send me your information. I'd, I'd love to take a look and yeah, we'll get you started or whatever. After the first dance, so that was like during like some little break we had. And then after like the first dance or whatever, or after we ate food, uh, he came up to me. Like he found time during his job. He found time to come straight to me while I was like folding tripods and putting them in bags and stuff to say, hey man, I got a chance to look over your work while we were eating and I just wanted to give you some advice. And I was like, oh, cool. Like this is that constructive criticism that I was warned about that I would get that, you know, you got to start getting thick skin or whatever. But what he said, I was not prepared for which was quit now, don't buy a camera, don't do photography, your work is terrible, you don't have the eye for it. <laughs> and, and with like a, with a serious look of, I'm trying to help you, son. Kind what? Of. So that was my first experience as like, damn. And, uh, and you've been shooting photos for how long? The, uh, until you got this, this really great advice. At that time, I think it was already like, Maybe two years, something like that. So at this point, Three you're kind of telling yourself that you're a photographer. Yeah, at that point, I was like, I can do, like, I got this. Yeah. Well, like, we, I just need experience getting, jo like, getting the biz learning the business a little bit. Sure. And I had, like, it wasn't a solid portfolio, but it also wasn't, I, I didn't feel like. You should hang it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was the very first, like, meeting with other professionals that. So I, I, I've never really had, like, up until very recently, I've never had positive feedback from other people, from other creatives. Mm. And, you know, I've always, I meet some people and they're like, oh, the community is so welcoming. Or like, uh, you know, I, I get to meet these people and everybody's been so supportive. And I'm like, honestly, it's been the opposite for me. Mm. So I come home, like, defeated. And then I'll do a photo shoot and I'll just keep going. I don't know, just... Keep going. Let's take it back to that day where he's telling you, don't get a camera, hang it up, quit now. Mm -hmm. What happens right after that? I think I it didn't, I was so in shock because it's one of those things like that happens that you're like, did I somehow hear it wrong? Did, who says that? Even if you don't like somebody's work or whatever, like who says that? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay, thank you, sir. And then, I just kind of like put it off, but I feel like it had been gnawing away at me little by little. Mm. And then I was just thinking like, every time I have a bad experience, it's like they all the bad experiences come back and I'm like, maybe I should, maybe like, what am I doing? I don't even know. Like the, the problem that I faced was that I didn't know anybody in the industry here. I was like, man, everybody seems to know somebody from high school who did this and now they do photography and now they, or whatever. I'm like, man, I don't, how do you meet people? Like, it was just one of those things that like my, I started to question everything, but I just kept shooting. I just kept going. I just kept doing it. 
Before we move on from this. <laughs> Please. Was this guy's work particularly good? I, I don't think I ever saw it. I felt like I got his card and one of, it was one of those things like, well, yeah, screw you. Like, Do you remember his name? I don't. I wish uh, I did. I know, right? I would want to like <laughs> look up his Instagram and just tear him apart for being kind of a dick. <laughs> no. and it's <laughs> <laughs> Like you can't tell. Like look. And for me too, it's hard because I have a personal like taste when it comes to any type of art, right? But if somebody brings something, they're proud of something, you know what I mean? And like they identify as that person. If they're not looking for the feedback or asking for your opinion, you can't come in there and say like, hang it up. Who are you? Right. And he came, like I said, like I was on the other side of the room. He was working. Like it wasn't during a break. He was, he just shot a few photos and he just, he saw me putting tripods away and he just felt compelled to walk up and say like, hey, I need to, this needs to happen right now. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I hope he's doing all right though. Because <laughs> you know what they say. It's like people, when people treat you poorly, it's more of a reflection on them than it is on you. Well, that's what I hoped. Or, because the the day had been going fine. I, I mean, that I can remember. It was so long ago now, but I, I keep seem to, seem to running into those people that feel like they really want to give me a piece of their mind. So this has happened multiple times. Oh, absolutely. Like my whole, like I said, until very recently that mm. I have, have I felt like I've been getting like positive feedback. Like I've been, I've met with, I've tried going to meetups mm. and yeah, I meet people and then they start talking about work or whatever. And then they'll look at my website or they'll look at my Instagram and they'll be like, like, bro, your style's whack. What? <laughs> yeah. That's really weird. And so, or I won't be get it. I won't get invited to the next meetup by them because they, they're like, and I'm like, man, I must be saying something terrible, like off-putting. I must be doing something, but like, just they'll say your style is whack. Yeah, they'll say because this it, is blowing my mind right well, now. Well, the thing is, a lot. I don't shoot in a like in the popular way. I don't shoot like like right now. For example, um, a film look is very popular. It's popping right yeah. now, and that retro film like they'll make the colors into, they'll tweak the colors to look in a certain way, like film. And I think that's awesome. But... Are we talking about like the Peter McKinnon, like there's an airplane going over a mountain type of thing? And there's No, some no, but that's also a popular style. Yeah, it's also like done. And it's it's more of a, it's like a, it's a timeless look because it's it's emulating film cameras. Gotcha. And I love, I love them. I think they're amazing. And I wish I could shoot like that sometimes, but I I don't, I always, like, if you leave me, I, was, I told I told my friend this all the time, if you leave me alone with an unedited image, I'll find ways to make it look like what my photography looks like. Mm. Which, to if you guys don't know, it's very colorful. It's bright colors, and it's usually, like, I stick to primes, typically, for my personal work, at least. Mm. And um, my friend, she always describes it as just, like, it's clean looking, or whatever. And I just like that. I, and it's not a... I don't feel like mine's better than anybody else's. I just kind of like, that's what I like. And yeah. if I can't do what I like in art, then then hang it up, yeah. right? Then yeah. what's the point if I have to do what everybody else feels like? So how did you start building, like, okay, full disclosure, like, I know that you're mainly joking, but we were on a shoot the other day and you're like, man, these like these turned out good. And like, you're like kind of dusting off your shoulder type of thing. And props, dude, like I think it's great when somebody can recognize that they are good at something. You know, you don't, you definitely don't seem like the type that will ever settle for a certain level. You know, you're always going to be better. But how did you start developing that confidence for yourself? I, I think, <laughs> I don't know if it's, a, that's like a, if I don't think it looks good, then like, 
I don't know, then what's the point? Then, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it all comes from like wanting the product of the person that's doing it to be the best ever. Like, I want this to be the best photo shoot for them. Mm. And it's me trying to help them. And so then like, when we get it, sometimes you're just like, this is it. Like, this is the shot that's gonna like, take it to the next level or this is the one. And I feel like, I always like, like I said, like, I think it's wanting to make people smile, like wanting to make people like, that was the theme of my photography. That's always been the theme of like my life. I think. I noticed that actually in the end of your videos, like, don't forget to be happy. Like you have another one, like, don't forget to smile. One does say, don't forget to get ghetto. But like, <laughs> well, that was because that's what that girl said in the video. And it was just a callback. But my mom and my dad had always have always told me that I'm smart, that I'm like the smart one of the family, that I'm the one, like they put a lot of like pressure on me that way. And if my grades were ever slipped, like it was because of that. Like I, I was, they always try to put me in advanced placement classes and that sort of thing. And not, I'm not a genius by any means, mm-hmm. but that's what they would tell me. And I, I don't know if that somehow translated to being like a little bit like being more observant Mm. and I've always been able to like read people sometimes better I feel like than they could themselves and so I felt like at the time at a young age that that gave me that gave me power in a way over over people like I could almost like manipulate people my parents always instilled in me like because you understand people this well you now have a responsibility to them you can't take advantage of anybody. You always have to be a good person. And since I can recognize then when somebody's having a bad day and I was told in school, like sometimes it's rude to just ask somebody, especially if you don't know them that well, like, hey, what, why are you having such a bad day? You know what I mean? Like it could be sure. impersonal. So then like, I think just at a young age, it became my responsibility that I took upon myself to like make people forget about their their woes and worries for at least like even if it's just for a little split second and i think i've just been doing it ever since even if i i couldn't help it if i if i didn't want to yeah was it the feedback of of other people that started to help you build i mean did you lose any first of all this is assuming that uh, you lost any confidence whatsoever when you got poor feedback from people i no you know what what hurts what what has always hurt me was when people close to me give me bad feedback mm. because I won't, I usually don't listen to, I'm a clown, like, you know, I, I'll clown around a lot of the times. And so like, it takes somebody close to me to tell me like, Hey, when you do that, you look dumb. And then I'll be like, Oh, and I'll shrink back dumb. down. They're just jealous. <laughs> but it's when other people, <laughs> when other people say it, I, it almost just in one ear out the other. I, I'll just do what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, Somebody said nobody remembers normal. Oh, well, then I feel like that's why people always, they're like, hey, you're the guy that did this. Yeah. So if poor feedback from essentially the community uh, or a certain community of people, it's still blowing my mind that people would say that. I've seen what I thought to be not the best work. I just keep my mouth shut. Like I'm not here to tear somebody down and they could be learning. You know what I mean? You've obviously achieved some sort of success. Uh, doing what you're doing. Aside from the the tough feedback that you've gotten from some people in the community, uh, what are some other challenges that you faced while being a full-time freelance photographer? Well, you want to know the biggest secret? And it's about really to not do. be a secret. But like one of the toughest hurdles that I deal with all the time is I'm colorblind. Oh. 
What? So, yeah. So I found a way to, like, in Photoshop, you can select over colors. Uh-huh. So every photo that comes through, like, my workspace, I have to check the colors to make sure that I'm not doing something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So I'll like check over and then be like, okay, well, this says that it's falling into the blue side or this says that it's falling into whatever, the green or too brown. And then like I'm constantly like bothering my close, the, the really close people that I'm like, hey, what color is this? Hey, what color is this? And so that I could achieve what I want other people to see. That's so That's the biggest cool. hurdle, I think. I, I I know that it's a hurdle, but to me, I like I'm like you're so rad right now that you because I, I think you have <laughs> great you. work as you know, you. Um, you know it's it's a it's a joy to work with you and to know that you're constantly dealing with something like that, uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, how do you do that like live like on the shoot? Or are you just asking your assistant or if it's something that I do, I just I need to know. But if it's not, then I'm not. I'll worry about that later. Sure, that's interesting. All right. Um, so what are, uh, <laughs> I'm going through this list of questions. I did do a little bit of, a little bit of preparing. I found out I'm a little bit better at that. Um, what are some of the belief systems that you subscribe to that have helped you get through some of the tougher parts of your career? Well, so I walk hand in hand with depression. I don't know if that's a, just a creative person thing. I know a lot of people will I'll obviously say like people have bad days and people have good days, but Honestly, since I can remember, it's just that one thing that always comes back. I'll be, I'll be at a party. We'll be having fun, and then like a light switch. Sometimes I'll just feel like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing here? Why? Uh, and I'll want to leave, and I won't want to talk to anybody. And then I'm locked in my room for like a week or whatever. But I don't ever want to be the cause to, for somebody to feel that way. I don't want to be the person. I don't want to, that triggers that person in that sense. So I carry with that with myself all the time. Like I, I try to treat others like I would like to be treated. Mm. And, and I think that's where like, you know, cracking jokes and being like lighthearted comes into play. But that helps me carry through. And I, I think it's like a responsibility that I feel towards my family that like I have to be successful. Because if I don't, then I can't afford the plane ticket back home for Christmas. And that's that's literally it. It's just wanting to like go be able to see my family again, wanting to be able to give. I'm the I'm the kind of person that if we go out to eat, I'll probably be buying lunch. Mm. And it's not out of like I want you to owe me anything. It's legitimately that's how my my dad is. That's how my family is. Like, hey, come over. You we're gonna eat. Yeah, and they'll feed you, right? Um, and I apologize in advance if uh, I ask some pretty ignorant questions. But no, go I, ahead. I, don't, I don't know how to. I'm the most ignorant person you'll ever meet. So, <laughs> which is interesting because yesterday I'm pretty sure you said something different. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> um, when you are feeling those lows, what are some of the things that you do to, um, I don't know, to feel better? Well, now it's to the point where I feel I can start recognizing my own patterns. And if I'm like, oh, like I feel a wave of depression is coming over. So I try to like anticipate it and then nip it in the butt before it gets too bad. And I, and sometimes you just can't help it, but it's just actively fighting against it. 
And I think just eventually you come on. Like, you you know, like, sometimes I'll know, like, I just can't talk to anybody for a day. But I tell myself, because something that I thought was interesting with you, and especially, like, on your Instagram posts, and you post a lot, like, of really positive things. And saying things like the amount of thoughts that go through your head, mm. and, if you know, you be nice to yourself, and be positive, and that sort of thing. Because, uh, and I believe that. I believe that if you start to think... I can't do something, then you're right. Your your brain will start to find ways for you to fail because that's what it feels like that you told it to do. So if you tell it like, oh, this is difficult for me, then okay, that's what you want, then it'll be difficult for you. And the same thing is like when I start feeling bad, I, n- I just keep reminding myself that I'm going to be fine. This is just something that I go through and I start to, mentally find ways to get out of it and to me I mean that's what's been helping me and I think it's just a changing mindset are you medicating outside of that not at all my so I've had ADHD forever obviously and uh, my mom when I was like diagnosed as a kid my mom decided that I will not be dependent on anything and um, props to your mom by the way yeah so she always I respect that like I don't know like what goes into like the clinical aspect of it, but like props to your mom for not just like, you know, medicating it. Yeah. She always put me in some kind of sport. So I usually always did like whatever school sport Mm -hmm. everyone was doing. And then they always put me in some extra thing and then summer camp. And there's always something that by the end of the day I was exhausted. So even if I was like mentally running around, like it was just so tired that I'd go to sleep and it's fine. That's really awesome. So, so I'm going to ask you a couple other questions too. So you, you're probably familiar with like the, I don't even like these inspirational speakers. And the yeah. only one that comes to mind right now is Tony Robbins, but I'm trying not yeah. to give him any daps for what's been coming out. Um, do you like? Did you ever read any of these things or you know study any of those things before? No, I think my my mom and my dad have always spoken in these like. Hearing people like, uh, like yeah, like Tony Robbins, like Gary Vaynerchuk, even mm-hmm. like uh, just this new wave of entrepreneurs that they all have the secret to mm-hmm. life and happiness. Hold on, <laughs> just kidding. Go on. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I people I who have their podcasts. Where, <laughs> I'm just joking. They say things, and I've heard. I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. Like mm-hmm. my mom would say that to me. Well, whenever, like my dad would. That's his business motto, or you know what I mean. Like, so yeah. I've I've heard it, and and I think hearing it from other people, if anything, it just reaffirms it in myself. And I'm like, okay, like my parents yeah. weren't crazy, yeah, or maybe they're a little crazy. <laughs> my grandma is somebody who's instilled a lot of that in me. Actually, um, super positive person, and it's funny, like, you know, Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, like. All of these people are really just saying they're the same thing, myself included, saying the same thing, just in their different tone. And it oh, yeah. resonates differently, I think. Um, you know, somebody's gonna listen to Gary and like and really connect with how he delivered it, but like might not listen to Eric Thomas because there's more of like a faith based thing there. And I so I think it's interesting that it penetrates the brain, like in the soul in different ways. But the reason I was asking you that is because it's so prevalent in our culture, or at least as the entrepreneur, like whatever you want to call it, like everybody is kind of, 
essentially on that bandwagon. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Do you feel like that type of mindset, though, is is essential to your personal success? Uh, I definitely do in the sense that the positivity aspect of everything. Because like, I want to be a good person. Whatever that means, that's just what I want. Like, I want to be... I want to be like my dad. You know what I mean? Like, that's just something that I've always, he's my hero. So uh, don't do that to me right now. That's so heavy, bro. I love that. Yeah. Especially like, so I, I had a moment to myself and I was telling a, I was telling a friend of mine, um, I saw them like they're older now. They walk old. They, they look old and seeing my dad help my mom out of the car, like in the, in a fragile, they're so fragile to me. And I just feel like the only amount of regret that I have is that ah, maybe I should have stayed in Texas. And I, I fight with that all the time because then I, mi- I feel like I missed all that. You know what I mean? Mm. I missed, all of a sudden I see them and I hadn't seen them for a while, for like for two years, a while back. And I feel like in those two years, th- that's when it happened. And I just, that's what irks me. So now I feel like if anything, I'm more driven than ever before because I want to, I want to do something for them to show how like appreciative I am. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I love that, man. What are what are the next goals for Antonio Espino? Keep working. I don't know, keep growing. I I I want to eventually I want to get to a point where I can start getting some serious some big jobs. Some I feel like I feel like we're almost there. Uh to transition again from Can I be part of the we? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> If that's why I'm here to recruit you. <laughs> I, I, I need more experience in certain aspects of things, but I feel like I'm a bookworm for certain things and I'm a big camera nerd. So I feel like I've been learning a lot of the technical aspects and that's more of like, I'm ready to apply them to bigger jobs. I feel like I can emulate almost anything and I feel like I'm really narrowing down on what my style is and I think I'm ready to start improving by leaps and bounds and start doing some like some really exciting projects. There's something uh one of my favorite photographers her name is Lindsay Adler and she came out with a book a long time ago and it's called Creative 52 and that's something that I want to do. It has 52 projects mm. and they're supposed to help that they're what she did to help her go to like that next stage, the next level and I feel like yeah, I'm ready. Let's let's do that. Is it one one project per week? Yeah, that's the goal. That which is what might be hard. Mine might be yeah. creative less than that. Yeah. But I definitely want to at least try to tackle that. It's amazing, man. Um before I ask you the last question of today, uh if somebody wants to connect with you after this podcast, where can they find you? Anywhere and everywhere. Instagram. YouTube, email me, give me a phone call, tweet at me. Yeah, I'm everywhere. <laughs> What's your Instagram? Um, Antonio Espino underscore photo. I tried to get make a longer one, but it didn't let me. Nah, you don't need one any longer. And for the record to the listener too, it's not that easy. I did some stalking. It was hard to find stuff outside of your Instagram. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're, it's, it's getting better. I mean, not that o- it's any... Opening up to people in that sense, it's finding what's interesting for people to hear. I, I just don't... Your whole story today was absolutely incredible. I had all of this business bullshit that I wanted to ask you, but everything else that you had to say was truly inspiring to me. I love the relationship that you have with your dad, the things that you've had to overcome to achieve the success that you have. And by the way, I think your work is 
amazing. And that's one person's opinion. But, you know, we've had conversations outside of this um, where I, I, I hope I tell you enough. I, I think you do such a great job. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, and, man. and for the record, it's not that I don't think that there's just like bad people that I kept encountering. I think it's just like, I want to say that I caught everybody on a bad day. <laughs> that at the the people that I did catch, and it's not like so dramatic towards like every single person I met, but it, it definitely has been for a while. It was more I met more people that were negative, but I felt like it was during the rainy season, so maybe people were just having a bad. Day. <laughs> you have an incredible outlook on life. I love it. Um, our final question for today: If you could wrap up your life's mission into one sentence, what would it be? Do good, make people laugh, and add a little bit more positivity into the world. I love that, man. Uh, to the listener, thank you so much for your time and your attention. We really appreciate it. If you love the episode, we would really dig a five-star review. And if you didn't like the episode that much, feel free to stick it to us, but subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a lot of incredible people just like Antonio back on the show. Thanks again, Antonio. Woo. Thank you. Thank you.